Hi there, this is Robert Fleming, and I'm here with my partner and uh, co-presenter, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. We are going to talk today about something that is, um, I think, actually one of the more important elements of most people's estate plans, but one that they don't spend a lot of time on and they don't even talk to their lawyers very much, and that is what to do with their personal property. So, Elizabeth, you have in your house, I expect, a bunch of family heirlooms, some candlesticks that you got from your grandparents, maybe a cedar chest, maybe your grandmother's sterling. What's going to happen to that when you die? That's a great question, Robert. Well, I've got a personal property list, and my personal property list is actually attached to a copy of my will. And the personal property list is something that I was able to assemble myself after I met with my estate planning attorney. Personal property is one of those things that when we meet with people about estate planning, often it is at the top of their list to talk about. Whether it's one particular piece of personal property, like your favorite baking dishes or a special set of dishes, or it's a collection. Personal property is something that I find that most every estate planning client comes in with some decisions to make, and it's the first thing they want to talk to me about. Now, we need to be really clear here. We are talking about Arizona law. Not every state even permits a personal property list to be treated as part of your will, but Arizona does. Arizona says, if in your will you say something like, I might make a list of personal effects and who they're to go to, then you can do that without having to go back to the lawyer to change who gets the cedar chest, and it's actually part of the will. Robert, can you talk to me a little bit about what happens if you have a trust? Can you have a personal property list? You can. Um, it's a little bit more complicated conceptually because you might have transferred all of your personal property to the trust. And so then your personal property list has no effect because the trust decides where things go. So what we do at Fleming and Curdy is to incorporate a provision in most trusts that says, that says if, uh, if I die with a will that has a reference to a personal property list and I have completed it, I want my trustee to treat that list as if it is part of the trust as well in order to make it an effective device to devise. I think one question I get quite often has to do with whether or not people can create their own lists of personal property and whether or not they need to explicitly identify the property in their will or their trust. And what I talk to them about is the beauty of a personal property list is that it can be incorporated by reference, as you mentioned, to your trust and to your will. So typically what I'll do is I'll chat with somebody about the kinds of personal property that they feel um, they have very specific directions in mind about. I'll encourage them to start working on their own list, identifying what the property is, and who the person is that's supposed to inherit the property. We then talk about what happens if that person dies before they do, or if the property no longer exists upon their death. It's impossible for somebody to have a personal property list that actually includes each and every single piece of personal property that they have. So I would tell anybody listening right now, don't even try that. It will be an exercise in frustration. What I do recommend, though, is thinking about your personal property in certain categories. Collectibles, collections, special property that might not have any economic value, but may have tremendous sentimental value, 
like your collection of photo albums or, for instance, some very special cookware. Those are the kinds of things, believe it or not, that when you die, people will fight about those things. They may fight more about those things than they actually do about something incredibly valuable like an Ansel Adams print. It's really remarkable about the value that people put into sentimental property. Um, it's really invaluable. So speaking of valuable things on your personal property list, can you add your brokerage account, your IRA, uh, your car? Can all of those go on your personal property list? I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it for a couple of reasons. When we talk about personal property with clients, we're specifically talking about tangible personal property, something like your bank account at... Uh, Wells Fargo, your favorite institution, I know, Robert. Mm -hmm. um, that is not going to go on your personal property list because we're really talking about tangible goods. Now, if somebody said to me, Elizabeth, can I put my dog on my personal property list? Believe it or not, you could put a pet, but we like to include or encourage our clients to include specific directions about their pets. Uh, and, and in my list of options, including the car, was a bit of a ringer. You can put your car on the personal property list because it is tangible personal property. But as you say, Elizabeth, I think that's a mistake, partly because it's not too likely that you'll be driving your current car when you die. Uh, and so you probably want to think about your car in a different way. But it's a great device for collectibles and, and uh, antiques and family memorabilia and the like. Uh, one of the most interesting Arizona Court of Appeals cases involved somebody who left their money to a person, and that became a question. What, is that, what does money mean? Well, on the personal property list, it means coins or uh, maybe a collection of dollar bills. You can't leave your Wells Fargo account if you are uh, mistaken enough to have a Wells Fargo account. <laughs> uh, so personal property list, great, great device. Uh, what happens if you don't complete your personal property list? Well, if you don't complete your personal property list, Robert, we're going to just look at the directions in your will. And typically, unless you specifically identify personal property in your will, such as your coin collection or collection of valuable records, that's going to go into the re residue of your estate. And there may be your spouse or children, family or charity that may receive the residue of your estate. What's left over after other specific things like bank accounts may be distributed. One thing that I'm going to just make a mention of here is that when I talk to people about personal property, if there's something that really, really is profoundly important to that person. Could be a piece of jewelry. It might be an antique car. It could be a special record or a special print, maybe a special family photograph. And the person that I'm speaking to is obviously really emotionally invested in that piece of property and really very invested in a specific individual inheriting the property. I talk to my client about whether or not they may want to make a lifetime gift and give that piece of property to the person they have in mind while they're still alive. Sometimes it surprises people when I mention this, but the ability to make a gift and be able to see the person that you've always imagined having this special ring or this special photograph, being able to give it and see their pleasure and, and their gratitude is just something pretty amazing. And once I start to talk to a client about that option or possibility, oftentimes it gets them pretty excited. 
So I would say to people listening today, if there is a piece of personal property that's incredibly important to you, you have in mind to give to a family member, a friend, a colleague, think about doing it during your lifetime. That can be something that provides for not only a special memory, but some peace of mind. So let me just make one last observation about Arizona personal property lists. There's no form, no particular form required. It can be on a, a yellow pad. It can be on sticky notes. Uh, not, not my favorite choice, but uh, you, can, you can just uh, type it up on your computer, print it out, and sign it. When you decide you want to change it, when your daughter-in-law comes over for Thanksgiving and says, I don't know why you think I want that cedar chest, it will not go in my, in my, uh, uh, my, my, with my furniture in my house. You can print out a new list tear up the old one, sign the new one, and you don't have to go pay the lawyers a bunch of money to update your will or make any more formal changes. So the personal property list really is a, a good device. I, I think that's as much as we're going to cover in personal property lists. Now, as we're talking about it, I keep thinking, you know, we could talk about this other thing and we could uh, we could go on quite a distance about uh, about the utility of personal property lists, but we're going to save that for another day. So um, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Elder Law Issues. My name is Robert Fleming, my partner, Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, and, uh, and we're with the law firm of Fleming & Curdy at Tucson, Arizona, elder law and estate planning firm. And uh, we'd love to be your lawyers if you live in Tucson and, and you need estate planning, elder law, or special needs advice. Look us up online at elder-law.com and join us again next time for Elder Law Issues.